You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Thinking Basketball Podcast. My name is Ben. You know what time it is. Welcome back to the 19th annual preview featuring the Athletics Dave Dufour. Dave, you, you and I, we like to preview whatever we can get our hands on. And in this case, it's going to be the 2021-2022 75th anniversary NBA season. Welcome back. How you doing, my friend? I'm fantastic. Wait, are we... Are, are... Are we just going along with this 75th anniversary bullshit? I like arbitrary numbers. But isn't it actually like the 73rd anniversary? Look, 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 look. A long time ago, the the BAA and I think it was the NBL, they, you know, the NBA, it's like, okay, we're going to take the first couple years of the BAA and we're going to bring that in and that's going to count. And those have been the numbers we've been using for a while. So we can't break form at this point, right? We had the 50th anniversary was 25 years ago. Yeah. Uh, I I actually think I I didn't listen to your top 75 podcast, which, you know, that's only part one is out. Part two is next next week. That's the one you really want. I'm sure. Look, I'm sure it's great. I'm sure it's great. But, you know, I'm kind of I try to live in the present. Um, but my thinking on this top 75 is that they really should have just left the top 50 from 25 years ago and then just added 25 guys from the last 25 years. You there the are many way? people that – no, I don't. Well, there are many people that think that. I, I think Doesn't that something tell like the that, story of the league better? Right? Sort because of. But isn't that the purpose? Like we're not actually trying to come up with the 75 best NBA players because if you did that, uh, none of the guys that played – before, like, I don't know, 1981 would be on the list because they were garbage. Nah, <laughs> they were good. They were plumbers. No, they were, they were good. Taxi drivers. You know. We, we got to talk about this, uh, <laughs> this 2022 season. You want to live yeah. in the present now? I'm excited about it. I'm pumped. Yeah. And, and I'm, I'm, I'm ready. Like, there's some fun stuff that could happen, right? Like, the Lakers stuff could be a lot of fun. It could also be awful. I, I'm... I'm very on the side of I want it to just be fun and awesome. Like, I hope that they are very good. Like, I hope it's just, like, annoying how the Lakers, The L.A. Lakers. Yeah. Think the L.A. Lakers are, could be annoyingly good. I, well, I mean, you never know, right? Like, they've got a lot of, I mean, they've got a lot of talent, LeBron and Anthony Davis. And then they have one of the most underrated things in the NBA is just having dudes that know how to do a job. And they've got, like, 12 of those guys. <laughs> Malik okay. Monk is, like, their 10th guy. He should be higher than their time. I, I think probably. so, too. But, he will but, be. He's going to play himself okay. into that. I wanted to ask you this, so I'm glad we just started right out of the gate. Yeah, let's Coming go. out of the gate, swinging. Anthony Davis, how do we feel about the way he looks physically? All right, can, can we just – let's set the, the stage here. Um, ben and I don't do takes. Have you ever – have you done this? I mean, I know your audience knows that you're not a take guy, but I think that there are a lot of people you're that think I'm some take kind guest. of – I'm not you're, a take guy. I'm a thoughts guy. <laughs> I make yeah, you, I, you. I I just I will throw out thoughts without thinking often. I don't care. So Anthony Davis, I think looks okay. 
Yeah, it's not a take. It's what no, do you think, I think he, of he the looks, way he looks? I think he looks fine. He looks only okay, right? Yeah, or do you think he, he looks, looks only good? okay. I don't think he looks as good as he did like 18, 18 months ago. ago. Yeah. Right. Okay. That's what I thought. I, I, I did a kind of a double take and then I pulled up some older film and I'm pretty sure he was moving better like two mm-hmm. years ago. Oh, I, so I've complained about this already this season that there are a lot of guys that don't look like they spent any time in the gym. None. Young guys. Dave too. Dave is not a hot take guy, uh, according to Dave. This is not a hot but take. D- no, I was going to say, but one thing you are is a gym guy. I, I'm a like body talking guy. about the gym. I'm a yeah. body guy. <laughs> Look, it's you're, important, right? Like, it, it's a, you're a professional athlete, right? That's, when Luka Doncic finally gets interested in, in like being fit, I think he'll just be the best player in the league, right? Like, that's kind of where, where this, why this matters. And so, like, there's guys like Taylor Horton Tucker, right? Looks like a very, like, I think he's got a chance to be a good player, but I saw him in the preseason, you know, before the injury. You didn't had, like how it looked. And he walked into a weight room anywhere? <laughs> is this, now, now I want to clarify for the audience is this a um, Miami Heat body fat no, no, composition no, 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 no. thing, or is this just the conditioning of the athlete? Well, there's both, right? But, like, I, I think maybe Miami, they go a little bit too far with it. I'm not into propaganda, you know? Um, and I don't, I don't, I'm also not into like, hey, post this on your Instagram, right? Like, that's not what I mean. But when you see guys go out on the court and their body, I mean, uh, the Lakers got eliminated when? when? When were they out of the playoffs? Last year, first round. First round, but like, yeah. when, when was that? May? Yeah. That was so May to yeah. October. And you see, this guy is a professional athlete and there's no difference in his body. And not just, I don't want to just point him out. I mean, he's a young player too, so there's that. But there are plenty of guys like that. They come back. There's six months off, and and especially the the guys on franchises that just lose that are that are done in April. Come on, man, you guys are, like that's your job. Now that being said, so, you're still going to get paid whether they're you know Carmelo or Carmelo body or not. So whatever their body looks like, yeah, I think I think the Lakers the way you described it, I think what they have is what I'm thinking of as innings eaters. Yes, like well, like Russell Westbrook Russell, is the king of it, right? Yep, Russell Westbrook, um, somewhat when LeBron is on the court, but of course when LeBron is off the court, when LeBron is missing games. We're going back to an 82-game season with still a shortened offseason after the insanity of the last two years. It feels like a, like a lot. Is, is Russell Westbrook Al Leiter? He, uh, <laughs> maybe Al Leiter was too good of a pitcher for that maybe. analogy for me. But you know what um, I mean. I, like, I know, that guy's we've lost pitch. a lot of people with like a 20-year-old baseball 200, reference. That's 240 innings. <laughs> but no, yeah. so Russ is, like, this is why I'm, I'm kind of high on that team. But obviously, in, injury luck is going to have to be on their side. Um, high on them for the playoffs or high on them for the regular, regular season. season? Regular season. Okay. Okay. Because yeah. I do think they've got a lot of inning eaters. They've got a lot of guys, again, just professional basketball players, which just matters. And they got a ton of those guys. I I think you've got that LeBron Anthony Davis axis, depending on how kind of physically spry either of them are. That you know takes your ceiling up or down a little bit, uh, and then it's the pieces around them. But you got to be on board with this uh, in terms of what I'm about to say next. I think I think I like the composition of the roster in the past much more in terms of roles. Danny Green, Alex Caruso, KCP was really good in his role mm-hmm. the last couple of years. Well, their and defense. They kind of, 
they well they've so they've they've you know you got Frank Vogel and you got AD and you got LeBron and you've had these incredible defenses and they've been sustainable um, in a way that felt easy in the regular season and to churn out great wins for or great defense that produces wins in the regular season can take a lot if you don't have the same talent and I'm looking at the guys who I think are going to play in these spots uh, Westbrook Wayne Ellington Malik Monk Kent Bazemore. Um, Carmelo Look, Anthony's LeBron minutes, and, uh, Kendrick LeBron, Nunn. LeBron and Anthony Davis, their job got 10 times harder by losing KCP and Alex Caruso, right? You're the backline helper, and it's a good thing they've got two good ones because LeBron is excellent. Yep. Their job got so much more difficult. And here's the thing about NBA defense, Ben. I don't know if you're aware of this, but uh, it actually starts at the point of attack. I mean, I know a lot of people only see the finish, you know, the, the result, of the play, but often the breakdown is right at the top of the key. And if you don't have that guy who can stand up and will stand up and they don't have that guy, uh, it's going to be rough. Anthony Davis is going to have to do a lot of work. This is where like, if, if they have a top five defense, he's the defensive player of the year. Let's just put it that way. I like that. I'm just concerned about how much he's going to have to move. It's too much. And I, I think you could talk me into him, looking much better by March or something, but it just, it, it, so here's the way I'm thinking about this. There's a handful of teams that could finish at the top of the West. The Lakers, I think are obviously one of them, Mm -hmm. but I'm not, I'm not loving my, well, I want to hear you. I want to hear your thoughts on these teams, but I'm not loving the Lakers. I think they'll be fine in terms of cranking out enough wins to not have it be like a disaster as long as everyone's healthy. Um, but I'm not loving them to get to whatever it's going to take to get to the top of the West this year. I don't know if it's 57, 58, 60 Could be 60, wins. man. I, I'm not loving it. Like Utah Are you feeling it, the same way? I, I think I'm with you. I, like Utah, I think, should be the one seed again. right? That, that is a, a regular season machine because of Rudy Gobert, plain and simple. Like, like we were just talking about, like the repeatability of, of high-level right. defense. It's just easier for Rudy Gobert to, to be able to do what he does and the point of attack stuff doesn't matter as much because he's so much better at not even just defending the rim, but deterring the rim. Like this is actually one of the underrated things about Rudy. Does there's no way it shows up on a stat sheet anywhere, but you have to watch the possessions. And so often guys just don't even attempt a shot. They they can break down the perimeter defense and never take a shot because of Rudy. And so you know that that's just an easier thing to do, I think, than what LA is going to be trying to do. Um, and I, I think Donovan Mitchell is. I think there's a leap. Let's let's talk about it. Like it, that's teased, a dark horse. We teased MVP it on your guy. show. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If he's you... at thirty a game, dude. Like his volume is going to go up, and I actually think that's going to be better for them because it's going to help keep Conley fresh, Ingles fresh. Like they need less pick and roll from Joe Ingles. They need more from Donovan Mitchell. Plain and simple. So if you trade that off, and I mean, I. He ran a ton last year, but I, I would love to see him get some of those Conley uh, pick and roll attempts, some of those Ingles ones, and maybe even some of the Jordan Clarkson. Like really, like load up. Let Donovan Mitchell show us some of what he shows us in the playoffs when he turns it up a notch. I, I think he could do that for a season. I, I feel like for them to really kind of crush the West, uh, they probably need. I mean, who would it be? Like a good season from Rudy Gobert or. Mm-hmm. Uh, who's the who's the rookie guard they have? Jared Butler from Jer- Baylor. Jared like Butler. Need, yeah, you know they need some more. They need something to round it out. Well, I think but Jordan I think, Clarkson is going to have another good season. 
Another good year. Yep. Yep. No, I think they're very good. I had them at the at the top of my most likely to win the regular season in the West when I was sketching this out. And I specifically want to talk about Mitchell because it could apply to what we're talking about in the regular season, but I think it's more important in the playoffs. Mm-hmm. And that is this idea that he seems to me to clearly have another gear from kind of what we've seen. And that gear is, is something we've seen in the playoffs, in the bubble, and then last year, where his scoring volume and his rate of pull-up jumpers and specifically pull-up threes spikes, and he puts pressure on teams in this very specific way. It's kind of like what you see when Damian Lillard's on his game. You know, this, these yeah. high-level guys who are like, look, what are you going to do? What are you going to do to stop me? I'm too quick. When I get to the rim and if you play my drive, I'm going to take a pull up three. Tatum has kind of tried to move into this space a little bit as a player as he's taken a leap in the last couple of years. And Mitchell's numbers in these spots, Dave, I mean, they're like the, the efficiency, efficiency still isn't at that upper echelon, but yeah. the volume is bonkers. And if he has 90% of that in the regular season and Utah's the one seed, he's probably a dark horse MVP candidate. And I'm thinking more about like, what if he legit can turn this on in the playoffs and you get like a Dwayne Wade light like there's another like gear in him Dwayne Wade yeah, yeah. yeah he's never going to be that I think because he's too small and yeah. defensively Wade was much better but just there's Mitchell we kind of think about Mitchell and I think rightfully so as like an all-star maybe an all-NBA fringe you know he's with people you asked me last year is Bradley Beal Booker Mitchell stack him up but like Mitchell does potentially have this gear. The question for me is, is it sustainable? Is it like a thing? Because it looked like he was before his ankle injury in the, in the playoffs last year. It was like, is he going to rip off 20 hot games and just gut these defenses for the Jazz? That's what I'm ultimately wondering about with them. And you know, exactly like that, that ankle injury just doesn't come up enough when we talk about Utah getting, getting their asses kicked. We don't talk enough about Conley and and Mitchell both being hurt. Not that they were going to do much better on defense, but it would have been better than it was. Oh, I, th- I, I think they were. My, my hot take is I think they were going to win the title if those guys stayed healthy. Yeah. Dave is, Dave is making a face. I don't know. I, the... I mean, <laughs> possibly. I don't know. Phoenix was so hot. And, and you know, Chris, Paul, Chris Paul's ability to just, like, torch the mid-range. I mean, I watched that up close, like, every single time Phoenix and Utah played. I think Chris Paul could have he could have had thirty five points a game in a series against Utah. So, well, let's let's talk about Phoenix because Chris Paul is one of these athletes like LeBron that is bending the aging curve. Um, a lot of that is just modern practices mm-hmm. and, and technology, health technology, and vitamins and things like that. Um, you know the vitamins. Dave. We're all healthier generally, <laughs> but well, I mean, especially if you have money, you know, like. Life is life is good if you've got some so, cash. So anyway, they're really good, and uh, I'm thinking and of the young guys as well. Well, no, just Chris Paul because yes. Bridges, Bridges, and Aiton, I think, continue to move forward, and of course, Devin Booker. Can, can I um, can I take us off on a little side conversation about Bridges? Mikhail, yeah, 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 please. Is he the best three and D player in the league? Who else would be? I don't know, man. But at he, the top of that list, he's, he's really great. good. And then when you consider all of the stuff that he's starting to add off the dribble, I don't know how much you've seen of him already. But like, man, they they clearly want him to get cooking. I that guy is not going to be just a three and D player at the end of the season. We're going to feel we're going to be like, how did we miss this? So you're saying maybe his contract situation should be oh. different. How is that guy in this <laughs> league not getting a max? 
We're or gonna, something we're close. Gonna, we're going to move on from this quickly before rants ensue. No, I... Do you count OG as a three and three and D guy still? Oh, but see, I think that they're kind of on this, a similar path, right? Yeah, it, adding yeah. the stuff off the dribble. It, it, that's that's yep. kind of like the differentiator, right? Like, how much do you trust them coming off the dribble? Danny Green, man, it just never worked out off the dribble. It, every single time he does it is a fucking adventure, and not necessarily one that you want to take. And so, you know, but when you see guys like OG and Mikel Bridges start to expand their game, it's stuff that was there. Already, they're not like he's not learning how to dribble over the summer. Now he's learning how to do it in the NBA, and so uh, I think that guy's got a lot of growth ahead of him. But he's already in in my mind. I can't think of a better three and D guy than he is. He's really good. He's really he's a good defender, good shooter. Doesn't take stuff off the table mm-hmm. uh, unnecessarily. And as you said. He's adding a little with the dribble, his ability to attack closeouts, which I think is another underrated part of what like qualifies as three and D. Oh, is he um, going to be a number two really guy? Good. Ultimately, yeah. Or like, or like the level of this team this year. So, not this in case year, you can't tell. Not. Well, I think Phoenix is going to be really good again. Do you, do you also see them as oh, yeah. a team challenging for that top? record that top seed in the west yeah all the continuity right so like the, the reasons for success are very clear obviously they're talented they should get a lot of internal growth from the young guys i mean we were just talking about bridges but i think ayton's gonna be better i mean he's already really good i mean you know how much i love watching him play um booker was just i mean some of the shots that he was making certainly the shooting what you know he it wasn't as good as we wanted at the end of the playoffs but the shot making that that he has, and I mean, it's back to that Mitchell thing, right? Yeah. If you can, if you have that much talent and no fear, I mean, Booker Booker could be an MVP candidate this year, right? Like if he's Cam, a, Cam, Cam Johnson, oh, I love is, Cam Johnson. Yeah, now, see, Cam guy. Johnson again. They just are. They have so much talent. I mean, Frank Cam Kaminsky. Johnson. Cam Johnson. What a luxury. Frank the Tank. <laughs> well, okay, I got Dave. Right. I said I got talent, Dave with that. Bro. Yeah. Well, they got JaVale McGee now. No, I... I Dario, I you know, who was hurt last year and at the end there. Um, and and Monty Williams. He's going to run a good He's a great ship. coach. Yeah. So yep. I, I, liked, I like Phoenix a lot. Um, you know, we'll see how much the campaign... Uh, I can't even campaign, call it a campaign. revival. It was more of yeah. an L rival. Uh, we'll see how much that, you know, how, how much of that is real. I think it is. I mean, he's got the speed and, I mean, that speed works, you know, so... I think he's steady. I, I mean, I, I think when I stacked it up, I had Utah and Phoenix so kind of surprisingly um, thinking about what works in the, in the regular season mm-hmm. as the top two teams likely to get that seed. And we'll talk about a couple other candidates in a second. But another thing that we got to address is like, you know, you know, one of these teams is likely to fall off that we're talking about. Mm-hmm. You know, there's likely to be some team where all of the models and all the preseason projections, I don't know if you've ever done this, Dave, but when you go back and you check it, there's always like a team or two that no one saw coming, that everyone forgets that no one saw coming. And then there's always a team that we all think is just chalk and they're going to keep rumbling along with their regular season success. And they, they don't fall apart always, but they like fall off a tier. They're not second, they're sixth. And the thing is, by the time we get to Christmas in the NBA or the All-Star break, Everything's so crystallized, like we forget back to October 15th. You know what I mean? Yeah. When it was like, oh, no, no one thought. Fe- I, so last year, everyone had Phoenix between like 8 and 12 from all that of the is, preseason. All right. That's not true. Yep. No way. That is. Yeah. Yeah. We, we were on our we were talking home court 
on oh, you and me? Yeah, I'm not. I'm and not counting on you and me. Oh, okay, we don't count. We yeah. don't count. I'm. T- I'm no. I'm talking about like either either the big models. So the people who watch basketball for a living had them potentially having home court, and the and the people who did what punched in some numbers. Well, I mean, because look, man, I like wanna, uh, there's no way the it's just look, uh, the models work. But I think you need to know like you need to know what you're modeling. And I don't think anyone could say, first of all, the last two seasons have been weird as shit. Right. I, I'm throwing all of it out the window. Like it's literally worthless data for the most part. But that's my point. How yeah. do you end up with the same top but, two, three, four? Okay. Teams? But th- that's what I'm saying about Phoenix. Phoenix coming out of nowhere. The, the, the team changed. Right. It was different. Yeah, I guess my point is about the conservatism in the way we approach it. So, like, well, be, we anchor because, so much to the last season without realizing oh, it. Well, now we can talk about, like, the prediction business. It's silly. Well, we're... <laughs> it's silly. It's a silly... It's Which not, is... Like, it's not even... I don't get it. Like, it's not fun to me to try to predict stuff. I like... Educated guesses is fun. But, like, I don't know, man. I don't want to predict it. I, I can't predict it. That's part of why I like basketball. Well, that's part of why, instead of laying this out and predicting it, we always talk about... So, like, today, right, we're starting with who do we think, outside of some insane, what, you know, the lawyers might call an act of God, like, outside of something crazy, who are the teams that really have the range to win the West, basically, or at least finish with the top seed in the regular season? We can figure out what happens in the playoffs in a second. But to me, Utah's still there, Phoenix is still there, the Lakers are still there, now, with I the had... Lakers, here's the tricky part about the Lakers because they're they're changing things a lot. So there's not as much continuity. They have a wide range. Yeah. I mean, a lot of new players, defense, uh, at least from a talent perspective, they lost defensive talent. So yep. things are going to change for them. So the continuity there is, is, is a little bit sneaky because we think about LeBron and Anthony Davis, but like that team is totally different. So like this is the thing that gives me pause about the Lakers. Um but I just think that LeBron and Anthony Davis are so talented that it might not matter. But yeah, I'm with you on those three. And I, I would even maybe slide Denver in there. So I have more, and Denver's the next one I want to talk go. about. Um, they lost Jamal Murray, but Michael Porter Jr. is going to, I think, expand in his role, have a huge scoring season. Jokic is going to be Jokic. And... They've got now, you know, we forget in the playoffs, they just ran out of bodies, but they're right. going to come back. You're going to get uh, a Bones Highland season off the bench. You're going to get a slightly better PJ Dozier. You're going to get um, Will Barton, right, who wasn't healthy. Wasn't healthy. If, they, if, they, if they can stay healthy, I think they're going to rip off a lot of wins with the really good offense. And to me, the question is whether that's like 52 wins or whether they can actually get all the way back to the top of the conference. Well, you know you're getting 82 games of Jokic. Seems like it. You don't jump, you don't get injured, apparently. Jeez, man. Like, what a luxury. (laughs) MVP production for 82 games. Okay. And and I'm with you on Porter. I think Porter, man, I mean, 27 points a game is on the table for him. Like, he's going to have such a green light. Easy. And, I mean, the way he plays is excellent. I mean, it's just, it's perfect for Jokic. And then, uh, honestly, like, Aaron Gordon is a cutter. And some of the stuff that he can even do as like a secondary guy with the ball, like with playing with Jokic, I'm really curious to see what what they're going to add for Gordon. Because, I mean, you know, they got a training camp together now. And I, I think the Jokic-Gordon alley-oop is going to be a thing this year. Like we are going to see Gordon flying in 
from the you know from the weak side corner and just catching lobs from Jokic a lot. Jokic is 2006 Steve Nash, and Gordon is Sean Marion. Helps right the ship, has a big season because he plays next to Jokic. It's going to be cool, man. I, th- that's a that's a cool team. And uh, look, Bones Highland, VCU. You know, like I, I'm I'm all in. I'm fully in uh, on Bones Highland as like, you know, maybe their next backup to to Jamal Murray because he's fun. Gonna, yeah, they, they, unfortunately, this team, like, I love Monty Morris. They're going to wind up having to make a decision on him that's based on money because he's too good, I think, to to stay in the role that he's in. And they're going to have all these, you know, financial obligations coming up. Um, but I think the Nuggets, like, if Jokic is in that MVP talk again, um, they've got, like, they maybe they're in that 53 to 55 wins. Yeah, yeah. I'm with you there. Okay. And Michael so that- Porter Jr. is probably going to wind up winning most improved. Uh, which is, I mean, yeah, he's going to be a better player, but like, this is just going to be about volume and, uh, mostly about volume. Although I do think he is going to be a better player on the court. Uh, but I wonder if, if if we aren't hearing people throw Michael Porter's name as like third team, all NBA, if he's, you know what I mean? Yep. It's going to have huge numbers, I think. Yeah. So I have, and don't forget his rebounding, by the way, I have two teams. I put a question mark next to. (laughs) <laughs> and we'll get to those in a second. And then there was a team I did not put a question mark next to who I think has a high range of outcome. And I think we genuinely have to talk about them as winning the top seed in the West. And if, yeah, if this is yeah. the Mavericks. No, the Mavericks get a question okay. mark. Okay, okay. Because I was wondering if you would think their ceiling is high enough. The Mavericks? The Mavericks, they have a full question mark to me of like, should we talk about their high range if everything goes well as getting enough? Like, if what if Luca, right? What if Luca takes another step forward? And to me, this is kind of happening in spite of Jason Kidd. Although there's a wrinkle with the Jason Kidd stuff, which is that Jason Kidd was an incredibly high IQ player and he is a point guard. And a lot of coaches have a history of coaching through their point guard isms, right? It's like Doc Rivers with Rajon Rondo just. Over right. and over and over and over. Well, Luke is basically a point guard. And so when Kid had Giannis, he was maybe trying to get Giannis to play like Kid instead of thinking about it from a modern perspective. But I wonder if, regardless of how you think of, like, let's say you think Kid is a really, really poor coach, mm-hmm. it may end up working better because of just that point guard. Point guard. It, yeah. Right. Yeah. Just yeah, accidentally. Yeah. yeah. You're yeah. a big I'm, guy I'm just, that dribbles the ball too. I know how yeah, that exactly. is. Yeah, yeah, I understand yeah. that. Yeah, um, I've, I've considered that, and we'll see. The, the issue, though, is you got to coach the rest of the team, and you got to coach defense, and you got to coach all these other things. So, I, I'm reserving judgment, right? Like, I, I just don't know yet. I, I'll need 20, 25 games before I have a good read on on how I feel about the Mavs. But we know that one guy can elevate a whole team in, in basketball. So if if Luca does take another fucking leap. <laughs> and he starts I don't even playing, know what it looks like. And he starts playing it's, like it's international basketball, which we've seen bits and pieces of. Like if they don't run into the Clippers last year, man, they might have made the finals. It, it, I think the leap with Luca just has to be better shooting and until we see indicators well, that he's he shooting. did it. He did it. The mid look at his mid-range last year, man. He he really improved as a mid-range shooter last year. That opened stuff up for them. Here's here's what the Mavericks need. They need to hit their open shots when Luka creates them. And if they will do that, they will win most games. Now, I, like last year, they were like sub 30% for a, like the first like 35, 40 games of the season, somewhere around there. 
They were very low on open catch-and-shoot threes. Mm. Very low. So there, I, I would argue that they were probably a better team, and, and I don't know the, what their point differential was, but I'm telling you, for somebody who watched every damn Mavs game last year, that if they had made – make or miss league, right – they were missing shots that they should have been making. And then later on in the season, when they when they had that nice run, it was all about making more of those open shots. And, and nothing really changed. You know, people talk about Luka needing to play off the ball more or whatever. And it's like, well, who are you going to give the ball to? One of the guys that can't shoot even when they're not dribbling? I, I just I never understand that argument there. But I, I'm with you. I, I, look, if Luka takes another leap, Jason Kidd doesn't matter. Yeah. No, I think the argument is less about not playing Luka Ball because Luka Ball is very successful Mm -hmm. and more about as you expand those skills, you create more diverse attacks. So one thing that Carlisle did that I'm fascinated to see if uh, they continue to do with Kid, and I alluded to this in my top 10 video, which I know you haven't seen, uh, is they've they've always got multiple ball handlers on the floor. And especially right. when Luka goes to the bench, they like to have the two guards. Yeah. So they like to have Brunson with, you know, one year it was Tim DeLon Hardaway. Wright or Tim Hardaway. The, yeah, they that, to have now, that this. lineup was great for them last year. They, they yep. ran that at the start of fourth quarters, and then they would get Tim Hardaway out and bring him back in to finish the game. I, I like that a lot. But, um, you know, neither one of those guys are drink stirrers to me. No, no. Yeah. Well... They're not high level, of course right, not. Right, not right, high right. level. And I but, think Tim Hardaway is, is is totally fine as like your secondary guy if Luca's out there. He shoot he shoots he's finished he finishes and shoots and scores. He's a great um, shooter, by the way. But I think the idea is that if you expand that stuff, then you get more possessions where you're cutting off ball, you're at the elbow, you the the the, the more dynamic stuff versus just every time down Luca ball. And again, let me right. re- let me reiterate. Luca Ball is extremely successful, mm-hmm. so I don't think really any argument should be like, "Hey, with what the Mavs have, they should play a different style." It's just adding stuff. So as you stack different pieces next to Luca, I mean, one of the things about all these heliocentric offenses, and we don't have to get bogged down in this, is that you are to some degree making trade-offs with your offense and defense when you go, "Okay, I'm just gonna." put three and D guys and have them stand at the three point arc and we're going to get a successful offense. That's great. But what does that do to both sides of the ball? What does that do to the entire team roster? What does that do to your diversity when teams start to take it away? Mm-hmm. I think it's those little things. That's the difference between, you know, let's say Luca as the back of a top 10 player and, Oh, any, like he's now he's the new LeBron or whatever. It right. Is. Like he's got to be talked about as the top guy. I think that's the difference. Yeah, I mean, look, if he if he's doing if he's in that conversation, the Mavs must be kicking ass. Okay, so I got another team with a question mark. We'll come back to them later, but there there is a team. Let's just put a ribbon on the Mavs. Do you buy that the Mavs ceiling is the top of the West? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, okay. I, I think like if if you told me that you felt like everything breaks right for them, Porzingis stays healthy and is able to provide the defensive presence that he actually can bring like because he's pretty good and, and especially with the way that they want to play defense yeah they could I, shit they could win the title if that happens okay I, but, I, but I, that's their like their ceiling i think would be one seed in the regular season in the west but that's everything went right for them and a couple other teams had some misfortune but if they're yeah. in the middle if they're in the, if, the, if you're saying that you feel like they could be the four or five seed that feels totally within reason I I I think I think that's more likely is what I'm yeah, saying. I'm yeah, just wondering 
they reasonable. feel like a high high variance outcome team. Um, really quickly, where do you see their floor? Assuming everyone stays healthy, is this a team that could miss the playoffs? No, it'd be. A, I mean, play in, right? But I'm oh, treating the yeah, play in yeah. like the playoffs. Forget the play right? in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I'm, yeah. I'm saying they're, think of the top eight. I, I Forget think, the play in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I, I think they're they're gonna. I think with Luca, you're at this point, right? You got to be a lock for top eight. Okay. And, and it's funny I think, because I think they're in that range. I would feel that way about Steph Curry if he wasn't playing with children. Oh, so the last team I think could win the West is the Golden State Warriors. <laughs> I know. I knew it was coming. You knew it was coming. What's crazy is you I are. That. I love them. And I know, I look, know the ins and outs and I see the vision, man. I just uh, look. You just think it's unlikely. <sighs> because I, I'm just hearing like, oh, yeah, we're going to play Wiseman a lot. Well, all right. Great. He's still a young who's, big who's. Who said they're going to play Wiseman? Uh, I, I don't know. I was reading something about some pick and roll, more pick and roll for Wiseman, which is good. He needs more pick and roll. But that, that's, <laughs> that does not games. seem related to the vision I have at all. Yeah, you're not going to win games with Wiseman pick and so, roll. So, okay, you're known as the, as the resident Curry Warriors lover on this podcast. I, I am. You are. I love it Steph stuns Curry. me to hear. It stuns me to hear you. You think they're playing with children. I think they played with G leaguers a couple years mm-hmm. ago. I think their roster last year was very thin. I think their entire roster basically is upgraded across the board. Otto and then Porter, I think, awesome. Okay, right. I'm with. Look now, see this is Jordan Poole. Can we the, can we do some Jordan Poole propaganda? I'm going to be picking the Warriors to go to the finals before this is over. Uh, Jordan Poole. I have a fun Jordan Poole stat, okay? Jordan Poole, in the preseason this year, the NBA uh, website, stats.nba.com, they published preseason stats since back to 2007. That's all we got. But going back to 2007, and it probably wasn't touched before that, Jordan Poole has the third highest rate of three-point attempts per minute in this preseason. Jordan Poole took 14 threes every 36 minutes he played in this preseason, well, you, and he averaged 35 points per 36 minutes. You, did, you heard that right. 35 yeah. points per 36 minutes. Well, he, I mean, He's no joke. You, you know how I feel about Steph Curry in the sport of basketball and what ought to happen. Oh, you were, you were telling me about Steph Curry. Yes. I want Dave, 20 who, who threes a game, right? So, Dave, so can, who Poole, just, can Poole do what he did in the preseason? Like, can he just be Steph Curry when Steph's not out there? Is that what you're telling me? No, I'm telling you he can be that when Steph is out there. That's what I'm telling you. Should he start? Who ju- should he, should uh, he be? What do you mean, should he start? Should, Poole? I mean, when, when Clay Thompson comes back, when they're at full strength. Yes, he's going to start. Yes. Okay. Interesting. Oh, you're, oh, you're saying because they're going to start Wiggins. They're going to start well, You Looney. got Wiggins. You got Draymond. I mean, is, is Jordan Poole the new? Like, what kind of death lineup is that? Oh, my God. That's my point. I, okay, let me. Dave, All you right. asked about Steph Curry. God. Dave. This is Dave, like they're who, like um, this is like Ultron. <laughs> yeah, who just set the record? I mean, it's the funniest thing to say because it's the preseason. Uh, Steph Curry just set the record for points per minute in the preseason: thirty-nine points per thirty-six. Did that next to Pool taking fourteen threes. So you asked about Curry last year. We talked about twenty threes per one hundred. That was our magic number. That was right? it. When Wiseman went out and they played those thirty games without Wiseman. Curry hit 23s per 100, averaged 37 points per 75 possessions. The Warriors started to sing. And I think the vision that they've put in in the last few years 
Now you're going to have Otto Porter, who's a 40-plus percent three-point guy, who all the models think Otto Porter stinks because of the last two years. He's going to go back to 2017 Otto Porter, potentially. Jordan Poole is like a Clay Thompson light. Like This doesn't even feel like a hot take. I, I, what's the floor for Jordan Poole's points per game this year? Like 18? Probably. I don't, I don't even know what gonna... points per game looks like anymore. Yeah. Uh, I mean, if you think Steph, like Steph is going to be 30-32 again. Steph is going to be Steph. This is yeah. assuming health. And Steph I is going to be Steph. And Otto Porter is going to be, be the number the, two guy. Otto Porter is going to be shooting the easiest threes of his life. Mm-hmm. And, and by the way, yeah. he's shot easy threes in Washington. A lot of them. And he made him John Wall is amazing. 42% or something? Yeah. So, oh, my God. Okay, so how all I'm saying this? is this. How did you do Look, this? I don't understand how you missed this. I, well, I, you know I went, why? I went it's on, because I don't believe Jordan Poole yet. Oh, I need man, to see it, see, man. You got to see him play, man. Yeah, well, no, no, and I've watched him, but I need to see it. Right? There's a difference. Okay. So, there is a difference to a degree. I just have a hard time like what's a bad season from Jordan Poole this year look like? I did you know? I didn't know this cuz I don't pay attention to points per game, like per game stats and things like that. And the league is all juiced with the numbers. The dude already averaged 12 points a game last year. I didn't even realize I didn't that. Know that. I was on your podcast, and, and I think it was Mo or you. They were, you were like, what, how many points per game is Jordan Poole going to average? And in my brain, I'm in like 1998. I'm like, sure. he's going to be a huge scorer, guys. He's going to average 17 points a game. game. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, like he's going he to take be, a leap. You think he's going to score 20 a game? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I do. What, what do you think? Yep. They're, like, all right, so last year, I mean, their offense was awful, right? It do you, got, think, you think the defense when they discarded, is going to drop off? Yeah, I do. Okay. I think le- last year when they discarded Wiseman, they started to have a positive offense. I think your Curry, Poole, mm-hmm. uh, Porter. Um, Are you with I me on you, on Bielitsa? I think Bielitsa is going to play 15 to 20 minutes as a high post feeder and a spacer from the big position. I think he's going to work perfectly with these lineups. I think their offense is going to be... I don't know off the top of my head what it comes out to. Top four, top seven, like now, in that range... What if Steve Kerr doesn't like? What if he he goes back to the beginning of last season with the offense and st- <laughs> instead no. of the end of last season with the offense? No, where it's like, hey, listen, guys, whatever we do, got to take the ball out of Steph Curry's hands. <laughs> I then they're in the forties. They're going back in the forties okay. for me. all right. Yeah, you okay. can't get in the fifties that way. All right, I'm but just I check it. But I I think you sacrifice some defense for some of these lineups and sure. some of the minutes you get. And I think you know, like I said. Am I am I thinking it's the most likely scenario that they win the West in the regular season? No, I don't. But I think we have to talk about it as being in play because of the style, because of the extra bodies, because of the stuff they've been working for for like two seasons now. And I think the most realistic outcome for them is somewhere near the 50s and in the middle, you know, home court-ish, something okay. like that. How many months away are we from you declaring... Steph Curry and Jordan Poole, the best backcourt in the league. Who's the best backcourt in the league right now? The Suns? Um, it, it could be the Suns. Um, I, you know, I would say Utah is up there, but like I don't know, Conley, a little bit of a drop off. But um, I don't know. There's a lot of good like backcourts. I mean, Portland is good. It's probably Phoenix. It's probably Phoenix. Yeah, it's probably Phoenix. Yeah. I don't think we'll. I don't think we'll get there this year. But I, <laughs> let's move on. Let's move on. I'm, I'm, so, I'm now you, excited you, for the Warriors, by the way. Are you I, buying I what I'm selling team, a little bit? I love that team. 
I think the fact that they play a different style mm-hmm. and when they're clicking, you've got all this cutting and moving and all this stuff. And now you've got pieces that fulfill that. I mean, it's amazing to me you started with the children thing because I think that's been their problem the last few years and they finally have adults in the room. Anyway. Sure. Who do you, who do you think the other team in the West that is kind of, I had a question mark next to them. Um, like who could jump out out of nowhere in the West for you? I mean, jump out as in just being okay. It'd be Minnesota. No, like, oh, okay. No, they could, no, they could make a jump. Like they could be really good. All right. Well, it's not Minnesota. I don't think Minnesota could be like a top four. I don't, nope, I don't know. I don't man. think so. I don't know. I think, I think it's gotta be the Grizzlies. Okay. All right. So yeah, I'm, I'm on, I'm, I'm on the same page there and it's all about job Morant for me now. Yes, sir. Well, it's two parts, right? Because Jaron, I think, is po- I mean, he looks fucking great. His Jaron Jackson. Have you seen his shoulders? Jaron Jackson has yeah. been in the gym. Yeah. Like, all of Memphis <laughs> has been in the gym. Like these guys, I, look, man, they're young as hell, but like they've got some grown dudes on that team, man. And John ja Morant uh, hunting that off the triple three uh, is going to open up stuff. For everybody else, they are they are the they are one guy away. Like they are missing the the other the wing guy who can handle. Like they're missing Mikel Bridges, right? Like they're they're missing a guy who can be like. Well, I just hit my mic. I'm very you're excited. Get, you're getting here. so excited. Like yeah. Desmond Bain. <laughs> Desmond Bain is is uh, kind of getting like a little bit of is opportunity. He gonna start? Is that I think he's going to start. He's starting. Okay. Yeah. So yeah. that's a, that's an upgrade for them. Speaking of bodies, this whole yeah. team. Stephen Adams, of course, could again, man, the, the sneaky, the sneakiest front office in the league. They're so sneaky. They are. You know, their they their are. strategy it's it's perfect. It's just galaxy brain stuff. Draft good basketball players. <laughs> wow, it's amazing. I, I actually do, I love I love all the guys in the front office there. But the the ethos of hey, these guys know how to play basketball. Let's get them. It's great. How long have we been talking? We've let this. Hell this always now. happens. Forty five. We haven't. Here's the thing. We're 45 minutes in. I think the East might be better this year. Dude, all right. Like, so they the might East be the better bath. conference. Yeah, we've been living in the, in the, in the sort of um, the, the West dominance for a very long time. What's that word I'm looking for? The hegemon of the West. Mm-hmm. And now I think the tides maybe are shifting back to the East. Well, the two best players uh, in the league are over there. Uh, oh, well, two of the three, I guess. Steph Curry is still in the West. Yeah, yeah. For now, I think so. They got Joel Embiid, Trey Young. It's stacked, man. Let's do. Let's go in the opposite direction in the okay. East. Anyone else we want to talk about in the West? Are you excited that the Clippers well, can sneak Minnesota? Into the I want to talk about Minnesota. Okay, they could be pretty good, but they, not they like a, be, not like a fifty win team, right? It, but they, if they were eight, if they were the eight seed. I wouldn't be shocked. I, I think that you know when you look at the growth of Anthony Edwards, a team is it. It's got some talent, man. Are you not an they're, Edwards they're, guy? Don't you dare! Don't do well, this to me, Ben. On the court or off the court? Well, of course, off the court. He's, he's unimpeachable human being. He's, Come on, he's now. An incredibly, Just, incredibly incredible interview. He's an incredibly incredible interview. He's enduring, man. Me. I used to work uh, many years ago. I was working at a restaurant, and uh, the server that I worked with, he would ask every table when they arrived if they were interested in a refreshing refreshment. <laughs> and he reminds uh, you of go- Anthony Edwards? <laughs> no, I'm saying what I, he's incredibly incredible. Let's uh, go to the East. Yeah, all right, go to the East. Unless you wanted to well, uh, hype up on, Minnesota. Hang on. For are, are you not buying Carl Anthony Towns 
as like being ready? I think he's pretty close. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know if they have the other horses. Now, obviously, if Edwards makes a huge leap, which I think is unlikely, at least this season. I want him to be the best player in the league. That would be fun. I want him to be like, uh, yeah. Like if you're telling me that four years from now, five years from now, he's the best player in the league, that would rule. That's pretty fun. Yeah. I love that he grew two inches. Like everything about this guy is just good. But – Carl Anthony Towns, we've just forgotten that guy, and, and I think that if he can def- if he can show up on the defensive end this year, which it's preseason, it's I like the intensity I'm seeing out of him. Right, like I like I, I watched him guarding Jokic in the post, and there were multiple efforts. I mean, he, you know, there's a difference there in the coaching staff. Like they're now like it's it is different, and it started last season. So I'm high on them, but a lot of it just has to do with the fact that I, you know. Anthony Edwards. You like you like Anthony Edwards. All right, let's go to so, the East. I see you. You're like okay. Gotta go to the East. This is I gonna be. Know. It's you almost be got me excited podcast. to talk about you know Akogi and McDaniel's and all those guys. Well, um, McDaniel's man. <laughs> you know he's gonna be the right. three for them. The team I might be most excited about in the whole league. I want to do the East upside down because I think they're a team that has a chance to make the playoffs. I know you're with me because I think you you think they can get fifth seed, sixth seed, something like that. Nick Nurse's Toronto Raptors. Have you seen this team play? How fun can an NBA team get? Is it possible to be more fun than this team? And why didn't anyone tell me about Scotty Barnes? Where do I buy the jerseys? Scotty Barnes is good, man. And he kind of fits. Doesn't he fit so perfectly with like Siakam and OG? Isn't that like a, what a trio. The the whole thing is fantastic. Yeah, Boucher is also, it's like, this is so funky. Right? Isn't it? I want to know the lineups they're going to throw out there. I, so th- that's going to be it's going to be really interesting to watch, and especially with the way Nick Nurse coaches. Like you know, he loves to play a lot of zone defensively, right? Like so, how weird can it get? Or how big length. are they going to be? Like right? what about Precious? What about Precious? It's, all right, I'm lower on Precious than some people, but I, I think he's a fine athlete. I, I just don't know where it goes. But um, they they've got the, look. The vision is pretty obvious there, right? Um, the it's the application. Are they going to score enough? I think that's that's a big nah. time question, right? Yeah. Um, and and that is to me where the growth of OG Ananobi is going to dictate what happens to the Toronto Raptors this season. They're not going to have Siakam for the first part of the year. OG has to step into that role. He's got to be the guy that takes on those shots. He's got to be the, the guy who's able to create on the wing. He's got he's basically got to be the guy. Um, I think Van Van Vliet is still probably going to sort of um, oh he's going to carry gonna, a heavier. I think load. he's going to be the lead initiator, but I think OG is going to have to to take on that Siakam role as like, hey, I'm going to it's going to be 18 to 20 shots a night. How how long is Siakam out for? Uh, I'm not sure. He might. I don't know. First first couple months, I think. He just just play Scotty Barnes. It's fine. Well, there, there's that too, right? Because he looks like he's ready. No, I think I think they're going to be a negative offense team, but um, still just funky. between they're so funky, and you know, Nurse as their coach is just going to make it all the more fun to watch and quirky. And you know, can they can they have a top ten defense kind of thing? And how many wins can that get you if the offense stays afloat? That's kind of how I'm thinking about them. A sneaky team that last year people forget they played in Tampa. You know, it's like, oh, they're, yeah, they're, they're better than you think. And I actually have fallen victim to that, too. Right. And, and this is another another reason that we just have to throw everything out from the last two years. It's just been too weird that we had a whole team where these guys like 
lived, I don't know, what is it, 2,500 miles away from their house? Like Fred Van Vliet was talking about how nice it was to just be in his house because he had to spend um, all that time in Tampa. And Tampa, you know, it's beautiful there, but not home. It's different. I had the Celtics as – I couldn't believe this. I was stacking it up, and I was like, I don't know if the Celtics are going to finish in the top eight. They're tricky, you, man. Are you, are you high on them? How, well, like, what are you, what are you is, thinking with them? What, like, all right, I think Tatum still has room to grow. I think Jalen Brown still has room to grow. Is that enough? Are those two guys enough? Like, is, is Horford – like, the, I think they're going to start Horford and Rob Williams together, which, you know, hey. Yeah, but Al, I don't think – whether he starts or not, I don't think Horford's going to play more than, like, 20. 18 or 20. Yeah. yeah but is yeah, he is he like going to help you enough? I, I don't know. I mean, it's a – it does feel so, like that team is just kind of in a strange place. Middling, like, they can't – Middling. I don't know what to do it, with them. As the Europeans say, the midfield – it's yeah. what they like to call it in Formula One, the midfield. That's what I, they feel like. And and then there's you know, like we don't know how Udoka is going to be as a coach. Yeah, um, you know, uh, already see like Marcus Smart was suspended. I guess he missed a flight or something and was suspended. Uh, which okay, seems like a normal team rule, but it was out in the public. Like they're trying to like you know make it a a big deal. It's like okay, cool. So I don't know. I don't know what's going to happen there, man. I, um. If Rob Williams has some growth, that's that's their to me that's the thing that can raise their ceiling. Like same as last year, right? Cuz I think he is a guy his passing, his vertical spacing, the stuff that he does defensively, if he can tie it all together and and just be better at those things, in particular on the defensive end, be more consistent, that's the way that they can that they can see some growth. But they're going to run into some size issues, man. Cuz Milwaukee is big as hell. I mean, Brooklyn, they're just something else. Like, I don't even know. It's more like, how do you fight a Leviathan? It's with, a different... The, those yeah, teams Milwaukee are a different tier. The, these teams are all in a different tier, though, which yeah. is, I think, part of the issue in the East. And the reason why I think we may finally have the East looking like the better conference, essentially top to bottom, uh, because I don't think these teams have a shot. Remember I said, in the West, let's talk about the teams that they're high-end range kind of without something insane happening, we could see them winning the West. We have to try to anticipate jumps and funkiness and things mm-hmm. like that. In the East, I don't think these teams can win the East. I don't think Boston, Toronto, nope. I have Indiana, New York, nope. all these teams nope. I have on the outside. I have two more good teams in the East that I want to get your thoughts on really quickly, and then I got four contenders for the top of the East. Okay, okay. Okay, the two quick teams, as deep as you want, I like them both. I think they're really good. I think um, Miami has more of a playoff gear, but it's the Heat and the Bulls. I think those teams are really good. I cannot see them cracking the upper echelon of this East because I think the East just is stacked at the top. Yeah, Miami's going to struggle offensively, especially regular season. I do think, like, playoff time, that defense can do something, but I think they're probably a first-round out, even with a a pesky, and it's going to be a good uh, playoff defense, but they're just not going to have the scoring, man. Like, you're not, you don't have to guard P.J. Tucker. You don't have to guard Jimmy Butler on the perimeter. Like, Bam Adebayo is not, like, scaring anybody offensively. And, and, you know, it's just, I don't know. And it's a lot of old guys, right? You're depending a lot on 36-year-old Kyle Lowry, who, I'm sorry, man. Like, we still have to think this way because we watch it happen every year. So, uh, I'm kind of with you on Miami, although I do think that, you know, with some a little bit of I, I like them better than Chicago. And then depending on what happens with Philly, I think that Miami could have better regular season success just because we don't know what Philly is going to replace Ben Simmons with. Right. 
are they going to replace him? We'll get to well, that. Well, so that's the question, right? Yeah, um, we'll get to that. As in far a as Chicago goes, man, I, I look, I, the Caruso and Lonzo pickups are fantastic, fantastic pickups, especially because Vucevic just needs as much help at point of attack as you can get. And those two guys are good, and they're both good team defenders, work well with Levine. I mean, I, I love Lonzo Ball. I just think, like, from a high, Q, uh, high IQ and fun aspect, like, I like him and Levine together so much. The DeRozan signing is tricky, and I like DeRozan a lot, and I do think that they're going to get a lot of utility out of playing him in that four spot with a bunch of guards, and it's going to be fine offensively. But, man, him and Vooch are going to get cooked, and teams are going to they're going to they're going to go at those two guys and, and I just think that that's going to be bad. Like Vooch's defense is going to be a big issue for them. And so like now you got to figure out like how much trade off like with Caruso. Like is, how many more minutes is he going to play this year than last year? You think he's going to be at 25, 28 minutes? How like, many where did these minutes he play last year? Like he 20. played 21. That's 18 to 21 is his time in LA. I think he could be up in the mid 20s. Mm-hmm. Um is that Probably enough? Not a for, huge bump. Is that enough to impact well, Pat, that defense enough? I think Lonzo being out there, uh, Caruso being out there, uh, Patrick Williams theoretically being out there, and then the the fact that I don't think Billy Donovan has ever had a bottom half defense team, right? Like he's going yeah. to emphasize defense. They're gonna. I so, mean, look, they're gonna be. I think it's gonna be like eighteen. Right, fifteen. So you think they'll be? You think they'll be slightly negative? Yeah, probably. Yeah. I think that I actually, when I was sketching this out, I could see them again because I think they 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 were a a positive defense last year, positive in the sense that they were above average. I think they again could be above above average. Okay, but I think they'll be. I think they'll be close. Yeah, I think they're. I think the offense is going to be. They're going to be fun. They play with pace. Um, They they fit together. Lonzo, that's a perfect kind of like quote-unquote pure point guard role mm-hmm. for Lonzo where he's got other guys on the team that can self-create, uh, set up offense. Levine continues to get better. DeRozan, speaking of innings eaters in the regular well, season, yeah. like, it's not it's not a coincidence that regardless of what we think about DeRozan's overall hierarchy or impact that he constantly churns out these like 48 to 55 win teams that he plays uh, He's like, been top 15 in points responsible for for like, I don't know, most of Long his career. Time. I mean, the guy like and in one of the few guys in the league that actually does improve, right? Season after his season, passing. something. Yeah, his his passing. His passing has improved. That yeah. last season in Toronto was the first year that it really started where they were using him more as a creator, and he started to have a better effect on the overall offense that last year in Toronto, and then in San Antonio. I mean, he was all intents and purposes he was their primary initiator the entire time he was there, and. um is an, an underrated passer, like big time. He's a very good passer. So I, I think that their passing on offense is going to be great because Levine is a pretty good passer when he passes. I, I like the pace they play with. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've said it before. Like I, They're fun. They're exciting. I think they're going to be good. Levine and All-Star? Way, Levine and oh, All-Star? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Levine and All-Star to me. I, I, I think I have not seen a single – I've checked a couple models – but I don't know, but I haven't listened to a single prediction show, a single podcast. I haven't read a single article. I have no idea if we are talking through this stuff and this is like in line with what other people are saying or if any of this is out of left field. I'm the wrong guy to ask. I'm the wrong guy to ask. Yeah. Top four teams in the East. There's three big ones. And then I think there's another team, which again, like stacking it up. 
Can I? Like they, yeah, go for it. Atlanta, you know right? Gonna, that's right. So I love Atlanta. Um, I last year I liked that team a lot. I said that they were going to be like the fourth or fifth seed if everything went well, and we, you know, it worked we out. Both. Yeah. We were on Atlanta all year. And, yeah. you know, because I knew DeAndre Hunter was not as bad as it looked like he was. Um, and turns out, hey, that guy's actually pretty good. Um, and he's back healthy. Like, look, they are so deep. They just are so deep. And Trey Young is so good. And the leap that he took in the playoffs, man, if he if they're going to play like that, look, I had them. I was like, look, it, it, their best outcome could be one seed. Like, they Preach. are the team because – they they have no reason to rest. They have no reason to rest. Everybody's young. Everybody's fresh. Let's just do it. They've got some size. They can match up with some of the bigger teams. Like Clint Capella is very good. The run he had last year in the regular season was fantastic. John Collins, the the style of play that John Collins discovered in the playoffs. Right. I, Atlanta's really. I'm a big fan of Atlanta. I'm glad to know I have good company here. Kevin Herter. Yeah. Who's probably coming off the bench for them. He's coming off the bench for them. Another guy coming off the bench for them. I mean, all year is what I mean. Yeah, no, another guy coming off the bench for them, I think regardless of how big of a jump he takes this year, uh, unless Hunter maybe gets injured or something and he supplants him, is Cam Reddish. And Cam Reddish is a guy, where are you on Cam Reddish now? I'm kind of feeling like maybe there's, you know, maybe there's something there. I'm a believer in Cam Reddish. I mean, he cut out that silly spin move that he couldn't, couldn't ever just nail down, like cut that out and was instantly a better player, right? Defensively, he's excellent. Excellent. Like the lineups that they can run out there are, are we nuts. Haven't, we haven't even talked about Bogdanovich. This team... Uh, they're loaded. They're loaded. They're just, they're, just, they're just, to me, a team with a very high floor, right? Like Yes. Like, as long as they're reasonably healthy, how are they not getting 48 or 50 wins? Uh, that's what it feels like to me. And then on the high side... I think they could really push and be competitive near the top of the conference. Then there's oh, go ahead. You have more. I was gonna. I mean, they're the team that I thought um, of anyone had a chance to to supplant either Brooklyn or Milwaukee in the top two spots. Yeah. Like, and again, I don't think they're a better team than those. Like in the playoffs or whatever. But I just do think that they have that unique youth, talent, and depth. That I, I mean, I, I can't think of a team that's had that sort of mix. Because they are all young too, and just good. It's it's a it's an interesting team. It's so fun that team. I love them. They're great. Okay, Trey Young Let's being a complete heel is the best man. He's the new Reggie Miller. It's Dude, the young guys in this league are awesome. They just have good vibes. They get it. Speaking of good vibes, the Philadelphia Seventy Sixers. Are those vibes? Ben, ben, ben Simmons will be coming back <laughs> to uh, to the team. I don't know if he's going to play there all year. I hope Dave, he does. Dave, they they stand out not just for the off-court stuff, but Atlanta, to me, has a chance to be the best offense in the league. We could have a special class for maybe Brooklyn. I don't know. But you're talking about great offense with Atlanta when we talked about some of the teams in the West, the potential of Golden State, Dallas, Phoenix, Denver. Like These are all top offensive teams. Philly, that's not the path. Philly, it's still more of this... How good can my offense get while I'm, like, the best defense in the league kind of thing? How how are you feeling about where they shake up in the regular season? Keeping in mind that they have been crazy good when healthy. Like, last year I looked it up. They had a 66-win pace when their top four guys were in. Embiid has always been like this. What do you think? This is what I say every single time Philly comes up. Because it's like, uh, just like Ben Simmons. 
Ben, ben Simmons is a perfect, you're missing the forest for the trees player. You know, this guy is so good at affecting basketball in almost every single way, except for, let's say two. Okay. Because it, his aggressiveness goes away because of, he doesn't want to shoot free throws and that's bad, right? Like that's actually the ultimate nail in the coffin for Ben Simmons as an offensive player. It has nothing to do with shooting threes. It is about lack of aggression when, when things get tight because you want to avoid the free throw line. Well, Doc Rivers should try to coach that out of him because that's the only thing that is holding this team back to me. If Danny Green didn't go down last year, like they didn't have much depth. And when Danny Green went down and and you had Joel Embiid already hurt, things just started to fall apart for them. But I think they could have made the finals last year. They are really good. And I don't, this idea that this guy who is so talented but flawed can't be your third best guy or second best guy on that team and in particular what he allows him to do by playing every position defensively at at an, I mean an all NBA defensive level holy crap man well, well yeah the fit of course is the issue because it seems like it fits they win a lot of games it seems okay it's it clunky. seems like it it's not the beautiful game that we want it to be but I basketball comes in different flavors man and this no, is just, I'm fine with that it's much more bully ball Style I'm fine with that. I'm not making a stylistic judgment. Oh, okay. What I'm saying, what I'm, what I'm saying, no. I, here's where I, I think the fit is an issue. Unless you can get okay, let me take a full step back. With Embiid, period. Mm-hmm. You probably want a guard that you can pair with him as an as a good lead initiator, and they don't have that. And so there's some smoke and mirrors for fans, especially with the NBA listing point guard, shooting guard, small forward, power forward, center, mm-hmm. where Simmons is the point guard, but he's not that player at no, all. No. Okay, I, so now... The, the, the way that guys get... It, this is Michael Carter-Williams. It's like, how do you get typecast? It's just because somebody put a basketball in your hand and said you're the point guard. You dribble a lot. Ben Simmons they, should never have been that guy. He didn't have the hands for it. But I'm not even saying people attempted to make him that. I'm just saying... In terms of fit, what I, I'm we agree oh, with building around he, Embiid. You mean, what we're, do you do? Right, yeah. Embiid is the best player. We're building around Embiid. Yeah. He's the best player by far. By far. So to me, you want to say, I've got Embiid. How do I build around him? You want a kind of heavy load offensive usage guard who can help score and create with him and pair with him. Yeah. Okay. That's the way I think about this. When you look at that team in the postseason, Still a good team, still successful, but I kind of feel like them winning the championship last year or at any point in the last few years, maybe with the exception of when they had Jimmy Butler, another good example. Well, Butler's the guy, yeah. Yep. Um, because you can score, you can self-generate, and you can pass and pair with Embiid. When you don't have that, they bog down like crazy in tight playoff situations offensively, and we already know they're not a great offense. Well, they're already not a great quarter, offense. That one third quarter against Atlanta. The Hawks? Yeah, yeah. Where, where Embiid essentially shot them out of it. Okay, so there are a lot of issues there, right? Like, there, there were bigger problems than just Ben Simmons. And I'm not saying that, that the fit is perfect, but the fit does kind of work. Like, they do win games. And so I just like funky teams, so, like, my preference is keep doing that. And play more Matisse. Just play him oh, 35 God, minutes man, a game. I love that dude, too. See if you could. Listen, I have I a type, if, man. I have a type. If you're, if you're like 6'7", with like a 7-foot wingspan, you know, I'm all in. Either that or, you know, you shoot a lot of threes and look like Lionel Richie. If there's a guy who's going to win Defensive Player of the Year who's not a big, it should be Matisse. You just play him 35 minutes a game and see if he can average. <laughs> I mean, when you four look at Four steals his, and four blocks. His defensive production is nuts. 
It's nuts. I was going through the all uh, NBA defense selections last year. The only like he's probably <laughs> like if you just look at the numbers, aside from minutes, he's the most productive defender in the league. His plus minus defensive stats are sick. Yeah, uh, I think stocks, but he only plays you know, like stocks 18. is a weird stat, but he gets so many no, that's, of them. That's box score. I'm yeah, saying his plus minus numbers are huge too. Yeah, like yeah. the whole thing, he's a great defender. So, all right, I think we agree that Brooklyn and Milwaukee yeah. um, are, you know, they're they're the juggernauts of the East. Atlanta's great too. Like all these teams are really good. But if we if we now shift to playoff mode and we can maybe come up with, I don't know, a team or two in the West, like how do you stack up in your head the most likely teams to win the title as of right now? It's got I, I assume Brooklyn and Milwaukee are That's there one for and two you. for me. Okay, so those are those are the two best for you. Yeah, and then okay, and anyone I mean, else after that? I, I probably I'll probably go Utah and Phoenix next. Okay. Although again, with the Lakers, I, I, look, I, I think that with the Lakers, I'm just wait and see mode. I do think that LeBron and Anthony Davis could do whatever. It's just how's the rest of that team going to look? That's my only thing about the Lakers. It's not me doubting LeBron. Is there anything? <laughs> Is there anything that could happen that would change how you feel? It feels like Milwaukee's pretty set in stone about yeah. Brooklyn. If Kyrie comes back, does that hurt them, help them? Like, like how do you think this is? It. I got to say, May feels like a long way away in this season. Yeah. It's like a long way away. I mean, away. that, all right. So I, I think the Bucks are going to win the title. Um, Brooklyn, the, the Kyrie thing is just unpredictable because if he's there i mean obviously that offense is amazing but how much are you like how much can you add at what point is it just too much offense the offense is already amazing yeah you know you know who's not talked about there and he doesn't have an injury history so there's maybe not a reason to talk about him but joe harris well that that one of 11 in the in a playoff game last year is why nobody's talking about joe harris no i mean i mean that they're not talking about joe harris in the sense that he is a hugely impactful offensive player with mm-hmm. those players around him. When you have a motion guy who can yeah. always run around on the weak side, and we've seen this historically, I've talked about it before in research, like from Reggie to uh, J.J. Redick to Kyle Korver, you don't always have to be the superstar in that role, but having a skilled shooter with motion, when you've got guys that are that good on and off ball, you know, Harden is a is a fantastic passer, um, Kyrie is a pretty good passer. They're all great shooters, and you add Harris. But to your point, and I definitely thought about it as we got into the like the chips started to get down on the table in the playoffs last year. Not everyone can hold that level, especially on defense, in the playoffs yeah. against the best athletes. And that's what I mean by no one talks about him enough. A in the regular season, if you took him off the court, you, t- you put some negative defensive uh, offensive player out there. I do think the ceiling of the offense gets chipped in sure. a way that people don't think about. But then you go to the playoffs, and it's like, mm. <laughs> what happens? What happens in the playoffs? Why, does he does he still play thirty five minutes a game? Probably not. I mean, but who's going to play those minutes? Well, that, see, this this is this is a question that Milwaukee doesn't have to answer. Right, and this is why I'm high on Milwaukee. Milwaukee, the, the like when you look at like they got George Hill back, so George Hill instead of Bryn Forbes, good move, right? Like I just think that they Milwaukee has fewer question marks. Do you Milwaukee's depth still concerns me? 
See, but people were worried about it last year. But you know what it did? Make made Bud play as good players. Yeah, but Bobby Bobby Portis, like if Bobby Portis was out of his mind, I know if he does that again, hey, fantastic! Like that's phenomenal. Yeah. Um, If Grayson Allen, like who is a guy, people sometimes ask me, what you know, what have you been wrong about? Um, Some things really stick in my craw in my head. One of them is Jaron Jackson's depreciation on defense. That just. What happened? We can't talk about that. But Grayson Allen, when they, when he was drafted, I was like, man, is Grayson Allen an NBA player? And then I've just sat around for the last few years going, hey, maybe Grayson Allen. <laughs> Grayson Allen might be an NBA player. Like, he keeps going places and getting more minutes and playing better. So if I mean, that, the point is, if that works. Yeah. Well, I think, that, I think it, Milwaukee did a good job. And, and um, I just, I don't know, less, fewer question marks. And, you know, Giannis took a, a leap. Like we watched it happen. I don't agree. You like that jumper? I, I've I've been Have begging for the the new one. Yeah. Have you seen it? Yeah. So oh, you're saying you think he took a leap this year? I think he took a leap in the playoffs last year. Yeah. Yeah. And there's a difference. So. I mean, what you, he was able to do after that injury, you didn't you didn't think you didn't think that the adaptation of his game would like where it did really seem like the injury slowed him down, but the game slowed down for him too along with it. I mean, he was some of the reads that he were, was making. I, I don't think he could have done, or and maybe he could have done it. He couldn't have done it at full speed for him. Certainly. Cause we didn't see it, but I mean, he was, his passing evolved after that injury, man. Like he was, he was excellent. I think there's a difference between playing better and getting better. If that makes sense. Okay. Well, I mean, yeah. but when I see a guy reading the floor differently in the way that he did, especially high leverage, like high pressure situation, like, Conference finals, NBA finals, it's impossible for me to not expect some of that to carry over to the next season. That's why okay, I think so Giannis you, is going to win the MVP. Yeah, yeah, I was going to say that. You think he's going to win MVP. You kind of see what I think you could call like a 92 Bulls season coming from that in keep a way. I bringing you, up the 15-16 the Warriors, right? Like, I don't think that this team has the talent to go 74-8. and eight. But I think that it could be a 60 to 65 win team if they actually wanted to. They're not going to do that, by the way. I just There's want to no point way. out that last week on, on his show, Dave, Dave had him up at 70. And, and I've talked him down. <laughs> I just, I've talked him. It's too competitive, Dave. No one's stuff. winning 70. Nobody cares. I don't, I'm not making cares. predictions. They send me all, the, all these messages. I, Actually, I think they send you the messages. <laughs> no, nobody's sending me anything. Brooklyn, I uh, want to finish by talking about Brooklyn. They are one of the most fascinating teams ever, in my opinion. It, it's weird, right? Like, DeAndre Jordan, one of the core three, no longer there. He's back in L.A. <laughs> we forgot We forgot to list him amongst <laughs> the, the... What is the average experience on the L.A. roster? Is it 16 years? I have... I, Jesus, I don't know. Could be 60. All right, can we talk uh, about Kevin Durant's defense? Uh, sure. Is that on your list say, of things? Well, this, there's a wide range of outcomes, I think, for Brooklyn as well that no one wants to acknowledge. Um, I was very surprised about the resistance on, on your show that I got from this. Like, LaMarcus Aldridge, Paul Millsap. I like, I like Nick Claxton. His minutes may be taken up by some of these other guys. Blake Griffin. Uh, I do like, I, I like the Cam Thomas, Patty Mills thing. Mm-hmm. But... Just in terms of the guys they're going to play, and then in the regular season, and then you pair that with Harden and Durant, no one's no one's worried that their defense is just 
I mean, obviously we know they're not going to be atrocious, but right. like their defense is is just going to be like I don't know twenty third or something. It's a little bit of that like twenty eighteen Cavs thing going on where the regular season they're going to be bottom. I mean, what were they twenty third in defense or something last year? They're going to be bottom th- five or ten, but it doesn't matter. They they showed in the playoffs that they could hit another level. I I, I think that the way that they defended in the playoffs totally fine when you can score like that. Like they. They could have won the title last year. Easily. Of course. Yeah. Of course. So I don't I don't I'm not as worried about it. I also I have a hard time with this because like the regular season and the playoffs are they're different sports. Like <laughs> it's just a different sport. And so nobody actually cares about the regular season including the NBA. So I just think that like they can just score, they can fill it up and we saw them defend well enough in the playoff to be able to defend playoff offense. I'm not that worried about them. I just mean even in the regular season. Like, yeah. What's the floor for their win total? Oh, uh, What do you well, think the floor for their win 50? total is? I think 50 is the floor. 50 is and the And you don't think... Maybe 52 you don't, even. You don't think there would be a lot of articles written if Brooklyn went 51 and 31 and finished fifth in the East? I don't know, man. J- look, James Harden's good for what? 55 maybe by himself? Like I, he's The dude is a one-man regular season <laughs> offense. You just yeah, throw anybody but, out but there But so him. much of this is going It's going to be about, like, how hard are they going to push for it, right? Like, should they be resting KD and, and Harden down the stretch and getting them ready for, for the playoffs? You know, like, is Kyrie going to be out there? Um, you know, I, I don't know. So much of all of this analysis is, is me trying to guess which teams are going for it and which teams aren't. A lot of people think Durant is going to come out and have like a MVP, M- like MVP kind of campaign. Um, You're not one of those, you know, though. Uh, I could see it. I could see it. I do think people are drinking a little bit of Durant Kool Aid. By the way, this blew me away. The man is in his 15th season. I when know, did that man. happen? I don't know. God, what's going on? When did that happen? What year did he win the MVP? 2014. Yeah. Yeah. Uh... I think the offense, I think what's really fascinating to me about this team and specifically the MVP candidacy thing is if Durant goes down, I think the offense will be fine because they have James Harden. So it's going to destroy his MVP candidacy. And it's certainly not going to be a tour de force regular season from him. If Harden goes down, I do not think that Durant as a floor maker with that roster is going to be able to take you to a top three offense. Now, hold on a second. mm Mm-hmm. You didn't like what he did uh, against Milwaukee? Uh, did I not like it? I think it's extremely overrated. I I think it has some incredibly impressive components to it. Yeah. Absolutely. But you don't believe in it necessarily. It's I a think, sustainable thing. I think his history as a floor raiser, if you will, if we could use that term, um, when kind of his guy, like in Oklahoma City when Westbrook went out, in Golden State when Clay um Steph. Uh, what's Steph, thank you. The other guy there, the little one. When Jordan um, Poole was not on the court <laughs> with Kevin Durant, he just wasn't as good. When Jonas Jeremko was missing. Yeah. Um, it's not nearly what people think it is. And I talked about that in his Greatest Peaks profile. Like, he's a hybrid. One of the things that makes him so great is how good he is on and off ball. But right. here's what happens, Dave. When he goes on ball, his numbers go way up. The team offense goes way down. It's one yeah. of these things where more isn't necessarily better. And so it's going to be weird because if Harden gets injured and Durant carries the load, I do expect his numbers to go up. Um, a little bit of scoring, the efficiency will be fine, the assists will go up, all that stuff. But there's just no track record of him being like the soloist, if yeah. you will, 
leading a band that's a top five offense. And that's the disconnect for me. And so it's going to have to be like a perfect marriage of they both stay healthy, but but Harden keeps his numbers down, which he might. And then Durant really juices his numbers. And then the Nets stay at the top of the league with the best offense in the league or one of the best offenses ever. And then Durant gets all the credit. That It seems like a thing that I could see happening, but it's a narrow gap to uh, a narrow target to hit. My I'm with you. I, I don't see him winning MVP, and a lot of it's going to be – I mean, MVP very much a narrative award, right? But you still have to produce. Um, I do think that just having Harden on the team is probably enough. But produ- from a production standpoint, I mean, 30 points per game is on the table for him, I think. I think that's, like, automatic for yeah. him. Yeah. I mean, that's so, – uh, By the way, we should, we should read the MVP odds before we get out of here. <laughs> uh, Duran is third. Do you know who is the favorite – the betting favorite in Las Vegas to win Steph, Steph Curry. It's Luka Doncic. Man, wasn't he high last year? Weren't people? I mean, I know that. No, you, that was me. You that was him. me. I was high last year. Yeah, yeah. You picked him. Uh, I mean, I don't. I, I guess I don't hate it, but it, that that requires some, you know, too much. I think to to make a to make a bet. I don't know. I don't gamble. I don't. I don't. Yeah. Embiid and Durant are second. With the same odds, I like Giannis. Embiid. I like Embiid uh, as an MVP because, like, if they're top three and there's no Simmons, Embiid is for sure. Like, it's because of Embiid, and he's going to be in the Defense Player of the Year conversation as well. Yep. But Giannis I, is fourth, and Curry's fifth. Sorry, go ahead. Yeah, no, no. Well, but Giannis to me, like, I, I think that it's just going to be a perfect storm. Um, you know, not winning it last year. Like, we're going to start hearing a lot of the, uh, well, Giannis deserved it last year too. Which, by the way, if you go and look, I mean, his production was fantastic. Um, although I like spreading awards around. I don't mind it. But I, I think Giannis will have a lot of momentum behind him. We talked about our dark horse, Mitchell. Mitchell. Trey Young. Booker, Could Anthony maybe. Davis? He's a little, he's like eighth. Or, uh, let's what see. does Anthony Davis have to do to get out of LeBron's shadow? Right? Like, because that's yeah. ultimately what it winds up being. He'd have to, like, really score. I mean, he'd have to be defense player of the year level defender because that would have to be a part of the narrative. And then, and then, what, 25 and 14, 25 and 12? I mean, he'd have to put up Giannis-like know. numbers, I think. I don't know about the raw numbers. I literally don't pay attention to these numbers. Sure. And so I think what's interesting is that the voting rubric in the last 10 years has evolved. You still have some guys who love the narrative, but kind of like plus-minus, all-in-one stats, true shooting percentage, the voters are much wiser to those big kind of summary numbers. Mm-hmm. And I think in Davis's case, those numbers haven't popped because I don't think he's on. I think when you're Anthony Davis and you play that style, you have those strengths and you're on a roster with LeBron built around three and D players. When you take LeBron off the court, that's tough, heavy lifting for you. But guess who's on the team this year? If LeBron misses like 30 games, Russell Westbrook, Russell Westbrook. So I just, I see as a dark horse like that, if he plays sure. well, that's a possible path. But it's a big if, though, right? Like, I mean, is he going to play? Do you think he's going to play 75 games? I don't know, Dave. I don't know if anybody this, outside of Jokic see, is going to play 75 see, this is, Exactly. Exactly. See, this is like the biggest problem. Like, like when we're, you and I talk about this a lot. But, like, when we're trying to do this analysis, it's like, yes, I have here. I've thought about this. You know, I've run the doof model on this. And, uh Yes, but Kevin Durant has decided he's only going to play 60 games this season or something. You know what I mean? It's like, oh, okay, great. Cool. That's why I don't like predictions. I'd rather just you can, 
Let's ride the wave, man. I want to hang. You can get Donovan Mitchell at plus three thousand. It's about fifteenth. I like Curry. In the I have fifth no spot idea. Here. I have no idea if that's. I mean, I'm. I mean, those are good odds if you win. Um, but Donovan, Donovan Mitchell would be the guy because I think Utah, like for all the reasons we laid out, man, like they've got a shot. And if he's higher volume, that's for real. If if the Warriors are top three, everybody in the world would love for Steph Curry to win another award. Not everybody. He's a well, lot of haters. He's a lot I, of which, haters. God, we we do this every year where we don't understand how people don't just sit there with a stupid smile on their face when Steph Curry's playing basketball. Like I can't understand it. You can't understand it. It's so silly. Is he your Dave, favorite player? Where can, player? People, where can people player? find your work? No, no, no wait, wait, wait. He, don't cut off the podcast yet. We're not done. Where can people find your work? I don't know. At the Athletic. Only at the Athletic. Actually, that's that's no, that's it. No plugs. That's it. We're wrapping up. Go Dave to the Athletic. Want to plug any work? Follow me. Go on to the Athletic. The Athletic NBA and show. It. You know, everybody knows where I'm at. <laughs> I hope people. I hope people realize how like that we're actually like really good buddies, and that's why these shows go off the rails, and not because I'm just some like obstinate asshole that won't let you stay on topic. <laughs> I mean, is <cause> that too? <laughs> if you want to support uh, this podcast and all things thinking basketball. <laughs> Head on over to patreon.com slash thinking basketball and you can listen to the post show where Dave and I talk about Dave, what are we talking about in the post show? Favorite we t- players? We that- talked about favorite players. We talked about Jared Jackson again a lot. I don't know. Yeah. We, we kind of went all over the place. It was great. We, we, batting uh, stances in we, baseball. Yes, batting stances, which if we had video. Everyone would see the waggle I had going on for Gary Sheffield. It was <laughs> Very impressive. Oh, Your man, Juan Gonzalez impression was, it, was perfect. Uh, Paul O'Neill with the big leg kick. You know, I was a Yankees fan growing up, so like that big yeah. leg kick. Yeah, yeah. Why are some guys planting their legs in the box and other guys are tapping their toes? Bernie anyway. Williams with the wide stance. You know, <laughs> Patreon.com/slash/ThinkingBasketball. <laughs> That's the best way to directly support all things Thinking Basketball. You can get extra content, um, historical database. I can't even think straight. I hope you enjoyed this one. Hope you're going to enjoy the season. 75th anniversary team will be selected on this podcast part two next week, next episode. That is coming. So wherever you are out there, get ready. Hope you're having a great day.